Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Lake Tahoe, Joey Nochilprano. Hello, Andy. Good morning. Yes, I'm in South Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side right now, currently on the Nevada side. If you're watching this on YouTube live, or if you'd like to go tune in, you will see that I am literally sitting with my back to the golf course. I'm sitting with my back. You can see walking over my shoulder people on the fourth hole of the beautiful edgewood golf course here in south lake tahoe uh the practice round for today's celebrity golf tournament this weekend's celebrity golf tournament has already started 7 45 tee off this morning and then i will be caddying for my buddy who's teeing off with mr jay billis at one o'clock today so we're getting this one in early so i can get out on the course and andy you're gonna love it this is a very andy ruther uh, move that my buddy Ian of McDuff's pub fame has done. It's, it's the equivalent of Andy going to the Anaheim Ducks game in a <laughs> in a fucking hazmat suit. <laughs> COVID. You shake your head at that. I'm still like, I think it's, I still think that bit's hilarious. Of all the things I'm like, oh, we should wipe from the internet. I'm like, that one should still be out there. It's, I mean, we didn't know. You know, you didn't know. No. But, uh, <laughs> I've I've got I've got the full on Augusta caddy outfit today with a big McDuff logo on the back. And then on the front, it says Joe Prano caddy slash comedian. And I'm just going to be doing it. And I said on the first hole, I just want to be overly aggressive about like when we get to the first green, be like, all right, guys, I think it's pretty obvious that this green uh, moves pretty hard right to left. And then Ian goes, uh, no, it's just because you're missing one shoe. <laughs> Just do the happy Gilmore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I that's all time. So I'll be out there today in a full on caddy outfit with a, with a seven footer or six tenner at least. He's a big guy. I saw him yesterday at the opening party. He's that big, huh? Big guy. Yeah. Full of celebs here this weekend. I saw, I talked to um, SNL's Colin Yost last night. Talked to our boy Kevin Millar from last year. He has, assured me that he wants to come on the Dirty Sports Podcast in the very near future. I was keeping our eye out for our former guest and friend, Pat McAfee, who's here this weekend. I'm sure we're going to run into him at some point. Say hello. Uh, talk to Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer. And uh, all he wanted to talk about with my buddy was his wine. Charles Woodson has wine, apparently. He got a deep voice, doesn't he? Yeah. My buddy, was, can't, we were walking next to him, and my buddy's like, hey, Charles, I love your wine. You know, he owns a restaurant. My buddy owns a restaurant. He's like, I love your wine. He's talking about it. And I was like, we're going to, we have like five minutes of talking to Charles Woodson. And you're going to talk about wine. And he's like, I actually prefer to talk about wine. He's like, you know, everybody wants to talk football. He's like, what do you think about Pinot Grigio? And he's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Pinot it's Noir, like, I think it was. Yeah, he's probably sick of talking about the tuck game. Yeah. I was like, that's like seeing Francis Ford Coppola and being like, you're wine, bro. You're wine. That would be annoying if you were someone of his caliber, Hall of Fame, 
one of the best ever. Everything people, every time someone sees you, it's just about football, which is obviously. I, just, I was like, I want to just ask him, like, who's the toughest cover ever? And Ian's like, what kind of grapes do you use for your uh, Pinot Grigio or whatever the fuck it was? I was like, all right. I wonder where I'd put Charles Woodson in all-time corners. He's got to be up there. He's up there for sure. Uh, he also, I think he's also one of those guys, like, if you did, like, all-time DBs, he'd be even higher on the list because he went to safety for a while, didn't he? And then maybe he went back to corner. Did he? I think so. Yeah. I mean, he won defensive player of the year, I believe, with the Packers. Yeah. He was complaining he was complaining about the cold last night. We were walking around in T-shirts. I was like, bro, you played in Green Bay. That's hilarious. I was like, it's 61 degrees. Yeah. You're ashamed of yourself. It looks pretty perfect because you have that weather where it's not obviously hot and humid, but the sun is perfectly out. Yeah. Like, I don't see a cloud in the sky right now. No, it's a, it's a gorgeous day. I'm out here. I've got a hoodie and some sweats on, and it's just like I'm just a little bit warm. You know how when you're sitting in the sun, just a little yeah. bit warm, but perfect. I'm worried I'm going to be warm in a full caddy coveralls today, but thankfully it's short sleeved. I said well, I have to go raw dog underneath. When you see Jay Billis today, you, I'm sure you're going to talk a little college stuff with everything yeah. that's happening. And obviously UCLA, USC going to the Big Ten, which we talked about. But now the Pac-12 is right, like teetering on the end of extinction if six teams jet for the big 12. Now the big 12 is making moves. It, it's all, it's all chess. It's, it's almost, it's almost like you watch succession. I watch succession or game yeah. of Thrones. It's almost like college football is turned into its own version of game of Thrones. Yeah. That's like right? in, the, in the beginning when they show the map and the map kept changing because the, the world's in the, in the show kept changing soon. It's just going to be one map. It says the big three. Well, I was having a discussion with some people yesterday. And again, I kind of reiterated what I said last episode of what's funny to me is no one brings up that these are still schools. Yeah. I understand that money rules all and the football team produces the most money of any university. But at the end of the day, right, Joe, like you, your goal of an education or of an of a inst- education institution shouldn't be to make money. And you're talking to me, who's someone who doesn't care about that stuff. I mean, that's I, also that's also I, I just to, you know, not to cut you off. But in terms of the money situation, that's schools even separate from sports. You know, uh, most institutions like that's literally all they care about is like donations, 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 endowment, 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 endowment. And you're like, I, I've I've kind of always felt that way about schools, too. You're like, I get it, you know. You want to have the most up-to-date stuff and the most whatever, but really like you see that and it's never, it's never, we, we pay our teachers, we pay our professors the most. That's why we have the highest education. And that's why you come here. It's always, we have this building, we have this thing, sure. we have this, whatever. With schools, obviously it's a little different, you know, public and private, but I mean, I even see that with my high school and my college, like the amount of For sure. mail you get. Oh, it's money. It's, and here's a book. Here's a book of just this book that we just sent you in the mail is literally just a list of names and people and how much they donated. Or were you a presidential donor? Oh, yeah. Or you're an executive donor. It's a, it's everybody pulling their cocks out. That, that's yeah. literally what it is. Hey, look how much I gave. Look how much I gave. Everybody wants their 
their name printed. I couldn't agree more. And what's crazy for me when you talk about college, I went like we both went to private colleges, right? So it's not cheap. It's very expensive. College for me academically, and again, this is just my experience, but my high school was so tough academically. College for me was a breeze. Like, like I, I didn't crush it. I graduated with like a three, two, five. But my point is for all the partying I did to still basically walk through five years with the three, two, five GPA. My, my point is, again, I always bring it back to the return on investment. Yeah. I tweeted this recently. Like, is there a worse return on investment? Now, the one caveat to that, I always say is that my best buddies from college are lifelong. You know, there's the social aspect where sure. that kinship that I have forever with my buddies. I don't know if you could put a monetary value on that, but the reason I'm bringing all this up is again, when we see all these realignments and university presidents are making these decisions and I'll be very curious. Your model, I think, might eventually happen with some sort of disassociation with the Bama football team to the university because I think that's where we're headed almost. I mean, I I, I almost doubt it'll happen because this is the this is the scam that they use. I mean, think about all the people that go to Alabama because of Alabama football that will never step foot on a football field or all the people. That, I mean, I'll straight up like, dude, I wanted to go to Notre Dame growing up because the Notre Dame football, I hate religion. Yeah, and that was a, and that was something I went through pretty early on. And I was still like, uh, and then I still ended up applying to Catholic schools, you know, like be, for a variety of reasons. But but sports relate, you know, being like, I know of that school, like I know of Villanova because of basketball. Sure. Oh, and it's close and it's, you know, and my parents wanted me to go to Catholic school and well, and, you know, obviously luckily avoided all of that as my hatred for organized religion continued to grow. Um, God only knows I'd probably be a, I'd probably be some sort of anti-religion terrorist had I gone to Catholic college. No, you, but, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, I'd probably be blowing I, I, up churches. I mean, I went to Catholic schools my whole life. It didn't like, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. Yeah. But, at the end of the day, here's a good question, actually. I just saw this on YouTube because I made the Game of Thrones comparison. Shout out to Chris Vesiento. He said, what's going to be the red wedding of college football? That's a great question. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the six teams lead, leaving and the Pac-12 disappearing. It's essentially what it's going to be. And I said this the other day. I don't know if I said it on the show or if I said it in a conversation with somebody. But I think I think what we're headed toward is instead of the big 10, the big 12, the sec, we're going to have three conferences, the big, the bigger, and the biggest, that's going to be the three conferences because what, like you're going to take the big 10 and the big 10 is going to have 25 schools in it. And you're going to take the big 12 and the big 12 is going to have 15, 30 schools, whatever it is. And then the sec is going to have, and that's it. It's, it's insane. And I mean, I listen, Anybody who's been listening to this show for a long time knows that like my stance on it, like you said, is like, what does any of this have to do with college anymore? Uh, that Like the fact that there's no regional thing with conferences anymore, you're not limiting kids travel. You're not limiting kids, whatever. And, and the bottom line is think about all the people 
that are athletes in other sports that aren't football and basketball that this affects. And they're just like, oh, yeah, wait, suddenly now I've got to like take a fucking math test on a Wednesday and then get on a plane to go to fucking New Brunswick, New Jersey to play Rutgers. But that's what I've been saying all along. It's it's the non two big sports. So it's the non basketball and football. I saw something the other day that was interesting that somebody tweeted out from 2011. It's like they predicted it. And it's pretty wild. It basically said college sports, in in particular college football, is going to basically turn into two camps. It's all going to be run by the TV deals. This was 2011. There's going to be the ESPN camp, which obviously includes games on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, ABC, and there's the Fox camp. Right. So those are the two major networks that but have then SEC's on SEC's the biggest network and they're on CBS. Correct. But I think those rights are up for grabs soon too. I could be wrong on that. But that's what's so crazy about it. Is that well, ESPN's got deals. Well, both those networks have deals with with multiple conferences. I, I don't know. Like I, I mean the 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 whole the whole like when you really dive in and you start thinking about college sports and you start thinking about going back in general, what's, what's amazing too about it is like, there's like a, there's almost a political breakdown of college sports versus pro sports. And yet it flips like the, it, it doesn't make, like if you looked at a map, if you looked at like an electoral map, it could just easily be blue. People care about their pro sports teams more than, their college sports teams and the red states care way more about their college sports teams and their pro sports teams. That'd be an interesting map. Wouldn't it be? I mean, they would. And I, and I, obviously that's like, you know, a lot of major cities. Sure. Like they, they drop, they drop these big universities in like more rural places and whatever. But what's amazing about that is then you look at, you know, if you, if you also look at a political map and this is not me being like, you know, me, I'm an, I'm not a registered either party but they say you're way more likely to be a quote-unquote liberal or democrat if you live in a big city yeah but the more highly educated you are sure so in in those big cities for sure which is crazy because the the least the lesser educated people are the ones in the college football loving states that aren't even fucking going to college yeah no for sure and that probably holds up. Now you have an interesting, you like states like where I live are an interesting crossover because you do have a fair amount of pro teams and also Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? So, so right. there's there, there's definitely a crossover. Yeah, and you guys and you guys are a battleground state. And, and, but exactly, it kind of goes to that point. But even like you know, even like the Pac-12, the Pac-12, like kind of historically, you know, a big deal. But in the in the recent history, so not a big deal that it's basically about to disappear. Yeah, no, you're right. Because it was so pro sports heavy, especially in the state of California. I don't know. I'll be curious how it plays out. Obviously, it's almost like it's it's like educated people don't want to watch children play sports at slave labor wages. (laughs) This seems weird. Seems weird and wrong. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that is an interesting breakdown and it, it kind of holds up if you travel and obviously both of us have traveled a fair amount. I've been to a lot of college campuses all over the country, but it'll shake out. Nothing's what? more important to me than Alabama football. You go to Alabama? Oh, no, no. I went to trade school. 
You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a welder. But it, again, it, it makes sense. If, if you don't have a pro team, you know, Bama doesn't have a pro team. The closest team you're going to get for but Bama. But my point is, that again, but my point is they're rooting. You know what I mean? It's like they're rooting for a, an, an institute of higher learning. Yeah. That they probably didn't fucking go to. You're, I know. I see the irony. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. Well, you have to talk to to Jay Billis about all that stuff. I I can't wait. We we've had some interesting news since last episode. So some things that have been getting us fired up. We're definitely going to get the Genie Buses tweet, which I literally reread multiple. I, I this, almost thought it was this, fake. This is this this might be our first ever professional sports owner tweet game of troll or moron i reread that tweet multiple times now genie bus fired this off i don't know if this is east coast time or west coast time because obviously i'm logged on a twitter on east coast time but i do think the time is interesting i don't know if you saw it it's july 4th at 2 11 a.m and again, I don't know if that means 11, 11 p.m. Probably, Pacific right? time. Probably. Which is still an interesting time to make that tweet, Joe. Yeah, yeah. No, you're so right. That would, she, be, that would be July 3rd still out here? No, no. It would be July 4th. Okay. Or no. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. I didn't see it till she later. Had to, she, want, she was like, I'm going to fire this off before the holiday. I don't want this to get lost in the, in the fireworks videos. Yeah. So she tweeted... And we're going to do a deep dive in this. I, I, I have come prepared, as you know, to debunk the ridiculous tweet that is our first ever owner, troll, or moron. She tweets, I miss KB, as in Kobe Bryant. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self, meaning your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own and everything would fall into place. All can reply, which I find very interesting as well. She wants to engage. That's where I'm like, this is a troll tweet. All can reply. I think that that's where I was like, she's she. I was like, when I read that, I was like, she doesn't think he's the greatest Laker of all time. She doesn't believe that he was team. I mean, I'd almost argue. But why why do a troll we, tweet we, about somebody we, who's passed away in such a tragic manner? Yeah, I don't think she's trolling Kobe. Okay. She's trolling fans a little bit. She's trolling. I don't think media. she is, Joe. I think she's being dead serious. It, wh why all can reply? Why I want to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know. I don't also, why are we sending that. this tweet in the first place? I don't know. I don't have also, answers for any of these. The, like, is she drunk at 11? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Is, is she had a few drinks? Because she didn't people, take it down. She didn't take it down. Some people are saying this has something to do with the Lakers' interest in Kyrie or maybe even the situation going on with LeBron. I don't know. Everybody's trying to break this down as a cryptic tweet. I do not think at all she's trolling. No, I don't know why you would troll. Again, using a guy who died tragically in a plane crash. Yeah, I, again, I don't think she's trolling Kobe, but I think she's trolling the people that would read it and reply to it because the greatest Laker of all time, let's just let's just leave that 
aside, whatever, that's, I guess, you know, she's the owner of the team and she has been obviously way more involved in the later years of her life than in the earlier years when Magic Johnson won five titles and three MVPs and three did finals that all, MVPs, did three finals MVPs and did that all in a shortened career. And if you watch, you know, winning time or you read the book or you know anything about the NBA um, is responsible for the Lakers being the Lakers um, is responsible for the NBA. We the talked NBA about it with Jeff yeah. Perlman. Yeah. I, I, I mean, real quick, if I can hop in here, th- th- there's not even a question in either your or my mind, and it shouldn't be in anybody's. They're the greatest Laker of all time. It, it, to me, this it's, it's not even really up for debate. It's Magic Johnson. There's no question. Five titles, three MVPs in the regular season, three finals MVPs. He did that within the first 10 years. He wins a title his first year. It, there's, there's no question in that. It's not even close. It's Magic Johnson. It's not right. Kareem. It's not Will. Sorry. It's not Jerry West. It's not Kobe. It's not Shaq. It's Magic Johnson. He's the greatest Laker of all time. And that's really not up for debate. Yeah. But that is something that like, you know, when you say it's not up for debate, I agree with you in terms of the legacy, but it's a lot more opinion than what to me is the most outrageous portion of the tweet. I agree. Team over. So I would argue we've done a lot of top five, top 10, top five in the, you know, top five quarterbacks playing today, top 10 all time, whatever. I'd argue Kobe Bryant in terms of guys who had long careers and, and played not guys that, you know, came into league and were so self-destructive that they were immediately out. But like in terms of like guys with careers, longevity and and longevity, I'd argue Kobe Bryant is a top five athlete in the history of the world. That was self over team. I couldn't agree more. It's the most ridiculous statement. Kobe Bryant for all of the fucking, first of all, selfish style of play in his game from day one of stepping on a basketball court. I've read the fucking books. I've read the fucking articles. I read the fucking stories. The guy was Mr. Fucking me, 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 me basketball. Well, we have, we have. Yeah. But I'm talking about in high school. Sure. In fucking as a rookie, as a fucking what, like to, to his last dying fucking breath on a basketball court. He took 50 fucking shots in his last game in. He turned his last professional basketball game into a me exhibition. A hundred percent. There is no guy. I would argue in the history of the NBA, whose devotion to being a me first basketball player on the court greater than Kobe Bryant. And that's just his gameplay. Forget then get Shaq out of town. I want it to be my team. I want it to be centered around me. I want to be the alpha. I want to be the lead dog. I want to be the star. The Lakers since magic Johnson arrived 
have been like legitimately good throughout with very, very few breaks. And the, the one break they had was split up with those two championships in the middle. But the one break they had was Kobe Bryant demanding he be the team. And therefore they fucking went 34 and 48 the next year. I yep. had on the top of three, my head three years. And then they get the, the pal comes back, saves Kobe Bryant's ass. And then they immediately go back to being shitty because Kobe Bryant demands to be a, demands a end of career run where we're just going to play five seasons as a fucking ball for me. First guy well, end of career. Like I'm just going to be shitty for the rest of my career. You, you take you, you take your jacket off. You get relaxed. I, I'm coming with receipts. I'm getting heated. Yeah, I'm coming with some receipts here. Now, I've been ranting and raving and also just saying how much I really enjoyed this book, Three Ring Circus, uh, by Jeff Perlman, who just came on the show a few months ago to discuss his book, Showtime. When I read this book, luckily... I took notes. I highlighted things. I treated it like it was a book report. We all know. We all know my background. It's important to reiterate that I am giant Kobe Stan. I am watching him score eighty-one points while I live in Las Vegas. The Lakers were the main team on in that city, so I started watching them basically regularly when I lived there for two years. Then I moved to Los Angeles. They win two titles. I'm Kobe, 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 and then well, because I was part of the people who were brainwashed. I was right. brainwashed. And then I saw the light. Reading this book was so I then we started the Dirty Sports podcast together. I I went full clockwork orange on you. I, pin, I tied you I essentially tied you to a chair and pinned your eyes open and was like, "No, the truth is out there. You just cannot <laughs> you just can't close your eyes to it." So, I read this book, right? And what I love is about Three Ring Circus. It details the first eight years of Kobe and Shaq. So we're talking, guys, we're not talking like a couple, we're talking eight seasons. And what I love is everybody is on record in this book, but Kobe, right? So everybody from Phil Jackson to Shaq to all his teammates. My point is Jerry West. All these guys sat down with Jeff. These are from their mouths, all former players. Let's just read some of the quotes about Kobe. And by the way, I have a ton. We're probably not going to get to all of them, but I really want to harp, like you said, on her part of he understood team over self. Okay. So let's, let's just go to some of these quotes. I'll, I'll just bring them up, Joe, and, and, and we'll go through them and kind of break them down. I mean, they're wild. I'm just picking random pages. I don't know if you can see this. I have notes. I have, I have sticky post-its on so many pages. Okay. So this is in, I believe, the 2001 season. In the immediate aftermath of a January 19 win at Cleveland during which Bryant shot six for 15 in 41 minutes of play, O'Neal entered the locker room and instructed his teammate to grow the fuck up and pass the fucking ball. Fuck you, Bryant replied. Make some fucking free throws. Are you fucking talking to me, O'Neal said? Are you really fucking talking to me? Bryant backed down. This is coming from Tex Winter, the assistant coach. There was a lot of hatred in O'Neal's heart, Winter said. He was saying really hurtful things. Kobe would just take that and keep going because that's how bad the relationship is. And now here, following up on the next page, is 
describing kind of that dynamic they had. And I think you posted this on Twitter. This, these are the words from Phil Jackson, direct words from Phil Jackson, who ironically dated Jeannie Buss for 17 years. That's a, that, that, by the way, I just like to add that I feel like is also part of my troll theory. Okay. That's interesting. You're trolling our ex here. Who's yeah. on the record. Like of being like, this guy's the most selfish athlete ever. And they dated during this time. Yeah, they dated all during the Kobe so Shaq. Can you imagine the things that Phil Jackson wrote in a book and that Phil Jackson said to Jeff Perlman and that Phil Jackson said to reporters and then what he was saying to his girlfriend and the team owner. Yeah, it's all on record. It's he, it's, mu he must he must have been so much harder at Kobe to her. Oh, I can so I can for her to do it. It's like, it, are these shots at Phil? So, again, this is talking about the lack of passing. So, so this is what it says. Jackson had gone through a similar circumstance when he coached a young Michael Jordan with the Bulls. And they, these are, by the way, these are Jackson's words verbatim. These are not Jeff Perlman's words. These are Phil Jackson's words. But Michael was receptive to criticism. He wouldn't always agree, but he would hear you out. Kobe didn't have that. I did a lot of studying about juvenile narcissism and juvenile narcissists are the worst because they think they only deserve the best. They want to be leaders. They don't accept counseling or advice. You can't criticize them. Kobe Bryant was a juvenile narcissist. And again, these are Phil Jackson's words verbatim. And then it goes on to say the next page. Years later, Jackson noted correctly that were he to preside over a player's only vote, trade Kobe Bryant or keep Kobe Bryant, the kid would have been banished without a second thought. And it wasn't merely his refusal to adapt to the offense. Now in his fourth NBA season, again, fourth, the 21-year-old guard had yet, to, had yet to mature and understand that the Lakers weren't his team. He was a piece, an important piece, but that's where it ended for the other members of the squad. So the, the thing about Jeannie Buss and we go back like we go back to the greatest Laker of all time thing and the selfish thing, whatever. But it's like and this is something that I think people confuse a lot. And I after I posted my criticism of her tweet, obviously Lakers stands galore in my mentions. And, you know, me, I can't not battle them. So sure. I did that. So I did that for a couple hours. But. When you talk about the Lakers, right, I feel like I feel like people get confused in sports and you say a team, the Lakers, the Yankees, the Mets. People start thinking of the whole shebang. And to me, it's like, obviously, fans make the sport go without fans. You can't do anything whether they're in person or they're on TV, whether they're buying jerseys, whatever you need, you need people supporting this again. It's all about money. There would be no, you know, there's a reason that there's not a fucking, you know, professional checkers tour. No one's watching it. But when, when you ask me who's the greatest Laker of all time or who's the greatest, whatever of all time, I think about it as an act from an actual team standpoint in terms of, what they accomplish in their in their career, 
what they accomplish in their locker room, what they accomplish as a as a Kobe Bryant is hated by the Lakers. Hated. Don't get confused. Laker yes. Nation. Yes. You're not the Lakers. It's a great point. Kobe Bryant is not the most beloved Laker player. 100%. He might be the most beloved by fans. The coaches hate him. His teammates hate him. I'm certain the fucking ball boy hates him. Yeah. I'm certain the fucking security guard hates him. The Lakers are an organization of which you, the fan, are not a part. You're not a part of the Lakers organization. You can't put Lakers on your business card. You can't say, what do you do? Oh, I work with the Lakers. You don't. You watch the Lakers and you enjoy the Lakers. But the Lakers as a whole hated Kobe Bryant. And, and, and for the record, I, j- I just want to hop in and say this. I think guys, they don't play that up. Obviously, he died tragically, which is awful. So nobody's going to want to play that up after he died. But even before his death, Shaq never liked him, guys. Shaq might have said, oh, we came to an agreement later. He never liked him. I mean, read the book. None of these players liked him. This is right. what I'm about to say. What I'm about to read from the book is a prime example. Again, he's already played four seasons for the Lakers. So he's in his fourth season. When Kobe and Vanessa were married on April 18th, 2001, inside St. Edward, the Confessor Catholic Church in Dana Point, no Laker players or coaches were invited. Not a single player or coach, he's been with the team for five years, was invited to his wedding, which surprised no one and relieved most everyone. Samaki Walker said, do you think the guys really wanted to go? Question mark. They only learned of the event at practice the next day. It was Bryant's way. And and here's the thing. Listen, I know I did not play sports at nearly the level of of essentially any professional athlete. But the idea that Kobe Bryant could even be this guy wild is insane. It is. To be an athlete your whole life, to me, it's like, I don't even I can't even imagine how much money and glory and fame would I would have to get from being an athlete to be like, but my whole life, everyone I played sports with fucking hated me. It's like the best part about being an athlete is being on a team. Yeah. And Hanging out with your team. I mean, dude, listen to any fucking Hall of Fame speech uh, outside of it. Probably Michael Jordan and fucking Kobe Bryant and fucking, you know, Allen Iverson or whatever. It's like Peyton Manning, you know, what are you going to miss? He's like the, the, the plane rides. For sure. And, 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 and he didn't training he, camp. He didn't participate in any of that. Kobe Bryant just, no, fuck all these dudes. I get up every day, and to be fair, it worked. I get up every day. I look out for myself. I'm just trying to score the most points because in the end, dumb people out there don't give a shit, and most basketball fans don't even recognize 
aggressively selfish play. No, because they've all been brainwashed in the age of Michael Jordan and whatever. Oh, it's for like, sure. Well, well, I mean, here's some direct quotes. And again, some of these are smaller players that I that the truth is I don't remember or guys that were on the cusp of making the team. Here's one from a guy that Kobe just berated and would always call rookie Eric Chenoweth, who played with the Lakers and he wasn't a rookie and it goes and it details the story, how Kobe kept calling him a rook and he'd been in the league bouncing around the D league and also the NBA for four or five years. And he wasn't a rookie. And he says, he goes on to say how great Shaq was. And then he says this, this is his quote verbatim for the book. Kobe was a complete prick. He said years later, not only is he a douchebag, he's a douchebag. Who's a prick. If he knows he can get something from you, he'll treat you with, with respect. If there's nothing in it for him, he can't give a shit. I, I mean, these are, these are direct quotes. This is, this is the, and, and this here's, is, the, here's the thing, Andy, though, like every time now it comes with this, with this precursor, we know Kobe died tragically and we're not trying to fucking shit on a guy after death or whatever. But the problem is when Kobe was alive, no one talked, everybody still acted like he was some great guy. And, and that's my thing. So, so this is after the fifth season. So now we're in the fifth season. This is what it says about Brian. So he had just yelled and said, you better teach those motherfuckers how to run the offense. By the way, the offense, which he hated. The disrespect to his coach, to his teammates was staggering, and Jackson was fed up. This was his fifth year of Kobe Bryant babysitting, and enough was enough. Bryant was rude to his peers, rude to his seniors, rude to everyone. The franchise had gone out of its way to support him during the sexual assault ordeal, and Bryant showed nary an ounce of gratitude. He talked a good game about winning, but oftentimes seemed most concerned with taking his 30 shots and receiving the post-game glory. Jackson walked into Mitch Kupchak's office and demanded the Lakers trade their young cornerstone. He was not kidding. I won't coach this team next year if he's still here, Jackson said. He won't listen to anyone. I've had it with this kid. Which is, by the way... Um, this is after they've won titles. This is, by the way, which this is still the thing that you argue about. Here's the like people just don't even know. Phil Jackson refused to coach Kobe Bryant. Shaquille O'Neal refused to play for anybody but Phil Jackson. The Lakers chose the young guy over the older guy, the guy who they have under control over the guy that they have to potentially pay more money. And and Shaquille and and listen, that's a fine business decision, you know. Maybe in the long run, maybe, maybe the two titles you got with Kobe Bryant is is better than you would have done with Shaq. I would argue that you keep if you kept Shaq, you have a potential for one more. If you if you move Kobe and you get pieces back, because obviously Shaq got one more with the Heat. But I would also argue long term, it wouldn't have taken so long for it to come back around if you stick with Shaq and you get rid of Kobe. Yeah, but, but whatever. It's still a business decision. Keep a young guy, have a new face of the franchise, keep moving on. But the bottom line, and this is something people just refuse to accept. They only had to make that decision because of Kobe Bryant. A hundred percent. Because the coach fucking hated him and the other star player wasn't going to play under somebody else besides Bill Jackson. So you remember Kareem Rush, right? Sure. Backup guard on the Lakers. Yeah. He, he's got some really interesting quotes. Now, this quote is during the, or it's about the Pistons 
Lakers series, which all these guys look back on it. And I know the Pistons team was great, but they say Kobe just went full ball hog mode when Shaq right. could have dominated again. Right. And, and even Chauncey Billups has some great quotes in here, even saying that. I mean, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll get into some of these, which I kind of find interesting. This is Chauncey Billups' actual quote talking about how like we couldn't stop them both individually. And Shaq's going to, if they keep giving Shaq the ball, it's, it's going to be a battle for us. But this is what Chauncey Billups said. He knew, he knew Kobe couldn't do that. But what's going to happen, again, this is from Chauncey Billups, what's going to happen is Mr. Bryant is going to get a little discouraged with getting no touches. And now the second half comes around. Now he's pressing. He's going to start coming down and just breaking the offense. When you do that, you're done. You're just playing right into our hands. So they knew that was the strategy for the Pistons. And here's what Kareem Rush said about that finals. And again, these are his direct quotes. These are not an author's quotes. These are his direct quotes. I love, I love that you do this every single time. Well, I want to do it because people are going to say, oh, you're misleading. No, these are from the guys who played with them. It's important. Kobe wanted to be the MVP of the series. Guaranteed, Rush said. Shaq got the first three MVPs and Kobe wanted it. That's why he kept shooting. Even when shooting that much made no sense. He always felt this need to validate himself. It was selfish and it killed us. And, and Andy, you know, you know me, I have very, very strong basketball opinions um, on players that are beloved by guys, you know, fans everywhere. And the bottom line is before the internet where somebody's telling you every fucking story before the books come out or whatever, and this is this is, again, not something I'm thought like, especially in my younger years, not something I'm thoughtful of. It's it's just simply the instincts of a guy who played three team sports, four team sports, the instinct of a guy who played a lot of basketball in his time, organized basketball, pickup basketball, summer basketball, whatever is I hate fucking Michael Jordan's game. I hate fucking Kobe Bryant's game. I hate fucking Carmelo Anthony's game. I hate it's just I hate fucking Russell Westbrook's game because the I hate Kyrie Irving's but, game. But see, I would argue it's simple. They're just selfish basketball. Players. But I would argue Jordan Jordan evolved, man. Like like Jordan's younger a little, years. A little. Yeah, I, that that's that's the point of Phil Jackson. Phil, yeah, he was out of control originally. And then it and then what Phil Jackson does, he finds a way to use what you do and take the best parts of it and, you know, get rid of the worst parts of it. And you could say Michael Jordan evolved, Michael Jordan evolved, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's fucking, I mean, that's why people love Kobe Bryant. His game's just like Michael Jordan. Cool. But the, but see cool. the difference is in, who in, in their fucking right mind knows a goddamn thing about basketball and wants some fall away jump shot from the elbow while you're double teamed all day. Yeah. Now the difference is, we all know from even the Jordan doc, Jordan was a dick, but Jordan was competitive. You know what I'm saying? Jordan was playing cards with his teammates. He was hitting the golf course. He was doing all this. Kobe, and I've said this from reading this book before, he refused. These are a couple more nugs, and then we'll wrap this up. From the book, Bryant simply refused to be a part of things. On flights, as the other Lakers played cards and talked trash, Bryant kept to himself headphones firmly planted in his ears. I remember he'd watch the movie, The Ten Commandments, recalled one teammate. That was unusual. Oftentimes he'd have a pen in his hand, notepad on the 
Trey Table scribbling down lyrics for his future hip-hop dominance. On the road, six, seven, eight Lakers would dine together. Kobe never. He was a loner, said former Laker John Barry. He wanted to be great and had no time for anything. Remember, he was 19. We're grown men with families. But did it turn people off? Yes. Here says another Laker player. There was a lot of, of this... There was a lot of this young guy is younger than me. Why is he such a dick? Almost like what right did he have to do that? And, and then I love this quick story. Uh, and I but, shared but this. The, game, the reason I bring on Michael Jordan again, Kobe Bryant clearly styled his game after Michael Jordan. Oh, he, he right? everything. But but also, I feel like this is the thing where, like, if you don't read the Michael Jordan books or you don't whatever and you just get the you just get the propaganda version of Michael Jordan. It's this thing, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm just sitting around being competitive all the time and just fucking grinding on my game. And it's whatever. And it's like, dude, like you said, he has friends. He's playing golf. He is playing cards. He's fucking going out. He's got his butt. He's saying, it's like the idea that you're going to be like, I'm going to be a loner psychopath. That doesn't have friends. It's sad. I mean, but it's it, all. It also let's loop back because we can't do the whole show on this. Let's loop back to the original thing. Genie Bus is aware of all this and is a lying fucking bitch. She's a liar. Yeah, she's lying in a tweet. She's a liar. She trolls the internet. There, she trolls LeBron or Westbrook or Kyrie or Phil or whoever she's trolling. But she's absolutely positively not on purpose trolling Lakers fans and trolling Kobe Bryant stands. It's like she's lying. And if you buy it, you're dumb. Well, yeah, there's and enough evidence out there. Yeah. And obviously Phil came back and and coached them to a couple more titles. And and Phil, Phil was the master, and they talk about that in the book. Phil, I've actually said. Kobe and Shaq hate each other. How can I fuel this hatred to get them to play better on the court? And he did. And obviously they won three titles, but it is, it's, it's, I would argue the Kobe legacy and the Kobe style of play has been the most misinformed sports take. And I was right there again. I, I was part of it. I was right there, part of it. I would argue is one of maybe, if not the most informed sports take of all time. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. People love to say LeBron this, and people love to say this about Magic Johnson, and they love to say this about whoever. Basketball, unlike almost any other sport I can think of, a, 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 a guy's style of play will tell you everything you need to know about them. I, 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 I dare you to show me a, like it, it, Oh, it's a coincidence that, that Allen Iverson shooting 30 times a game is like, we're talking about practice. Not a, not a game, not a game, not a game. And then fucking, you know, the, the LeBron James's and the magic Johnson's, and the Steve Nash's of the world. Does anybody have bad things to say about when them when they when they meet Steve Nash? 
Oh, he's such a giving guy. Such a fucking kind dude. Magic Johnson, always smiling, always happy, always whatever. Guys who pass, guys who care about making their teammates better. That's a that's that's a personality trait. That's not a basketball trait. I don't know anything about Nate Robinson as a person, but I bet he's a dick. The guy's out of the league because he can't stop shooting. Bro, stop. You're a fucking five, six guard. You're, yeah, you're good, but like you can't take 20 shots in the game. I'm going to have to bench you. He's probably a dick. Yeah. No, you're right. And and, and again, I, I we don't fully know why she sent off this tweet, but. It, it, it again, it is pretty wild considering she knows all this. Like you said, she grew up with the Lakers. She dated Phil Jackson for 17 years. All those. I mean, I mean, if, if Phil's going on record with Jeff Perlman with all this stuff, well, what, well, yeah, you're right. What is he saying to her as they're dating? Probably saying, I'm going to kill myself if we don't trade this kid. And she's like, baby, just go to bed. And then she fucking gets up one day and goes the most selfless. He understood. I, I can't think of an athlete that is the opposite of team over self more than Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I can't think of a single one. Sure. No, I know. It's, 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 uh, it's crazy. Obviously, he had the skill. None of this takes away from his it's skill like, set. It's like, it's like 20 years from now, you know, Richard Sherman being like, I miss Russell Wilson. This is like a guy that you loved hanging out with, a, a bro's bro, you know, always like seemed really comfortable in his own skin. Very chill. We all loved hanging with him. We're like, are you talking about Mr. Unlimited? Talking about Captain Cringe? Guys, we have receipts. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm here for. I mean, I at this point, Joe, I might as well just teach a college course. Like... Like, no, one, I, no, one, no one's going to take it, dude, because that's the thing. That's the thing when you learn. Like, look at my tweet about it and look at the people underneath. Kobe stands are the fucking worst, dude. I meet people. I meet people who whose opinion on like life. I fucking I mean, like like our boy, Ben, you know, Ben in Venice. This guy gets up every day. His like big thing is like, I'm going to get in the ocean every day. It's all thoughtful. It's like fucking he's a caring kid. He's like, whatever. Huge Laker fan loves Kobe Bryant. I'm like, dude, Kobe Bryant and you would never get along. He would fucking hate. He's like, are you just like need to like do good things for people every day? Fuck you. How about have a killer instinct? How about how about Joe Prano is also in the comedy game? Have you thought about slashing his throat and drinking his blood to steal some of his comedy juju? It's propaganda. It's fucking insanity. Well, and I'll wrap it up at the end of the day. Like I said, it's just sad. Look at the, at the, at the end of everything. He still got his five titles. He still got his two finals MVP. So nothing to take away what he credited, but even in that book. And I just saw that quote again, former teammate. Uh, who was it? Which, which Harper? I always confuse which Harper played on them. Ron Harper. That'd be Ron Harper. Ron yeah. Harper says that verbatim. That's his quote. And he says, Kobe was just really sad or I felt sad for him. It was just, you, you know, think again, and, and that's what it is. At the end of the day, you, you're not enjoying the flights with your teammates. You're not going to dinner with them. 
you're you're living a sad, depressing life. And, and that wraps the hour on fucking <laughs> yeah. Genie Buss's tweet. Well, look, I came prepared. Yeah. It worked out that she tweeted this right after I read the book. And uh, I think after that. And you're doing your best. I am. You like that hat? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of trolled, you know who trolled me and gave me this hat? Who? One of my nieces. She's 10. She, this was her idea because I had to take care of my brother's house when they were on vacation. And he's got a pool and my brother wanted to make sure the pool didn't go to shit. So, you know, I had to go over there and make sure I turn on the chlorine, you know, just monitor everything for the week. And he also has a guinea pig. And the truth is my brother last minute was like, feed the guinea pig, make sure it has water. He's like, don't worry about cleaning the cage. And the cage can get pretty nasty, especially if somebody's gone for seven, eight days. And the whole house smelled because his, his cage wasn't kept at all. It was full of shit. And he got a, he gets his water everywhere. Apparently guinea pigs have this thing. I'm not lying. And I looked this up where they like play with their water and they make a mess and the whole thing stunk. Anyway, she, she gave me, she wrote me a card and said how bad I did. And she said, but you were doing your best. And she trolled me with a hat that she had found on Amazon. So I'm wearing the hat to honor her. I'm surprised you didn't troll her back and just go, Kobe, and throw it in the trash. <laughs> you're, well, like, Joe, I did. I, you're like, I did, but I went two for 30. And so then I picked it up off the floor and I wore it anyway. Well, after that long, deep dive, I feel like you definitely need a cold Miller light. Oh, buddy, I've been, I've been drinking. Listen, I, I, the first thing that happened when I got up here, you know, I'm not a big birthday guy. First of all, shout out to all the dirt balls who made July 5th unofficial Miller light day. Yes. And, and sent me their tweets and their Instagrams and tagged Miller light. It's always great for us. It's great for the show. Thank you to all the dirt balls who sent me Venmos. I I've received probably a dozen Venmos on my birthday and every single one of them included the words Miller light, have a Miller light on me, buddy. Go get yourself a six pack of Miller Light. Enjoy some Miller Light on me. Here's something. Here's some money for some Miller Light. Go buy yourself some Miller Light. I was like, this is great. This is how you know you're just like an ambassador for the cause. Just getting birthday donations and every one of them have some Miller Light. So, but uh, you know, I'm not a big birthday celebration guy, and so I traveled on my birthday and I came up here, and uh, my my good friends. Uh, up here on, in my opinion, the greatest pub and restaurant in, in all the land, uh, McDuff's pub. If you're ever in South Lake Tahoe, come to McDuff's and they have a million great draft beers and craft beers and whatever. But I got to their house and they said, buddy, the fridge is full of Miller light. It's your birthday. It's cans of Miller light in there for you. First thing you should do, get yourself a Miller light, go out on that porch, Go watch some of the golf practice rounds and have yourself a crisp golden pilsner. And I was like, guys, I'm going to do just that. And I did it on Tuesday. And it was the first thing I did yesterday morning to have myself a Miller Lite out here and watching some, some golf. And it's the first thing I'm going to do after this podcast ends. Is get my first Miller Lite in me to start the day. It is, it is truly 
where, when I'm at my happiest. Just a Miller Lite outside, the beautiful fresh air, golf course in the background. A man in his Miller Lite. What else do you really? Sometimes, Andy, I get down. I'm not going to lie. And Miller Lite's there for me. Well, Miller Lite should be there for everybody. So, Dirtballs, next time you're getting ready to enjoy cold ones with your crew, just like Joe Prano, go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. So we finally got some news before the show. Yeah, I texted you that last night. Finally, some breaking news before the Dirty Sports Podcast. It's almost like the Dirty Sports Podcast is responsible for breaking sports news. I'm assuming Kevin Durant will land somewhere immediately after we wrap this podcast today. But in the meantime, and maybe that just shows you how not big news it is these days. But Baker Mayfield last night traded to the Carolina Panthers. Just a fifth round pick. And and to me, that's the eye-opening part of this. And was it a conditional fifth round draft? Like it's, it's a, it's like a, it's barely a draft pick. Baker's value is down big time. It's a fifth round pick and the Browns are going to eat 10 million of a salary. The Panthers will eat about five, five and a half million. And also the day before that, I don't know if you saw the Seahawks are on record saying we never had interest in Baker Mayfield, which is crazy to me to think the Seahawks are like, no, we're cool with Geno Smith versus Drew Locke battle. Like, is this where Baker Mayfield stock is at? Or is it just that that he was too much money for what his value is? I think there's a couple of different scenarios here when it comes to Baker. So I think Baker obviously had a big contract, and I saw that um, the Browns are going to pay a hefty portion of it. And, you know, the the Panthers are only whatever, but it's like, why are you like the Seahawks right now are not seemingly trying to be competitive, right? Sure. Um, and and I understand that. I understand the NFL. It's it's tough to tank, but there is a way to do this rebuild. Dare I say that I kind of predicted this. Maybe I predicted it a couple years early. Maybe I some some would argue I was ahead of the game. Some would argue I Maybe the Seahawks should have done what I told them to do in 2020 instead of in 2022, you know, Um, which is if you can't win the Super Bowl, you got to reload in a way that you can. And so if you're the Seahawks right now, what are you spending the money on Baker Mayfield to do? What's the end game there? I'm a Russell Wilson truther, not a hater. We all know Russell Wilson's better than Baker Mayfield. So if your idea was we're trying to win as many football games as possible, you would have stuck with Russell Wilson. But they're not trying to win as many games as possible. They're trying to take what what value Russell Wilson had, look at him and say, we cannot win a Super Bowl with this quarterback and this roster. And we're better off using Russell Wilson's value right now to improve our roster and go do what we precisely what we did with Russell Wilson is get a 
good quarterback to and surround him with talent that we can get in the draft. What is so, Baker May? What does Baker Mayfield do for a Seahawks team? Well, well, I want to ask, what does Baker Mayfield do for a Panthers team? Does he even start? I mean, he's going to be a legit QB battle. Yeah. Well, I think that that that's where they are. They're where they're at right now is if you look at the NFC South. I know the blood of children makes you exceptionally, you know, keeps your longevity going with it. But like who are you referring to? Tom Brady. No, I know. At, at some at some point, like I know like many teams in the AFC East and many fucking, you know, teams outside of the AFC East and beyond have been spoiled by counting on Tom Brady falling off at some point. But the idea that you, you have to have a strategy, part of your strategy, if you're in the NFC South right now is he, he's not going to be the best quarterback in the league at 50. And right now we're what the Atlanta Falcons starting over right the, the the new orleans saints are back in on Jameis winston the carolina panthers it's it's like it can they be competitive for the division i don't know maybe but also like the whole fucking division's a wild card right now so their situation is they think that they have a good coach they think they have an elite offensive player they think that they're building something around it and they just don't have a quarterback and they took their run at Watson and it didn't pay off. And they took their Sam Darnold move and they'll see, and listen, they started pretty hot last year with Darnold. So for them, it's like, if, if Cleveland wants a conditional fifth round pick and they're going to pay the money, he is the first overall pick. He has had moments of brilliance. Why not fucking take a shot? Now it's awkward that Ben McAdoo like had fucking, uh, you know, his draft board or whatever he had, I think, uh, JP Losman and, uh, you know, fucking Jamarcus Russell rated higher than Baker Mayfield. I don't know if you know that, but Ben McAdoo, who's like, I think their offensive coordinator now or something actively and openly not a Baker Mayfield fan. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think they're just like, this is a free roll. Essentially. They just got handed a scratch-off ticket. How much does a scratch-off ticket cost? Who cares? It's a gift. It's like when you get a scratch-off ticket as like in a Christmas card. Do you think big? Who's their starting quarterback? We probably call. Baker Mayfield. You think it's Baker Mayfield? Probably. But I don't know. Maybe they're both back there. They snap the ball. They run a wildcat. I know, I know, I know a Baker Mayfield stand. Uh <laughs> I got a Baker Mayfield stand, the place I volunteer at on Wednesdays. And it was pretty funny. We were talking and he's a Browns guy. And I just laughed. He's like, dude, this is Drew Brees all over again. Shoulder questions. He's going somewhere else. I'm like, whoa, 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 bro. Drew Brees all over again. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted Brees. I said, come on, man. Uh, Let me ask you something, Andy. Do you think that the Baker Mayfield at the end of the Baker Mayfield run in Cleveland. Do you think it's entirely play-based? Do you, do 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 you think any of it is 
per personality or, you know, how he is in the locker room or anything like that. You, we obviously don't hear that much, but this kind of goes back to my Kobe Bryant point, which is I don't remember Peyton Manning with the flag running to the center field, planting it, doing a fucking dance, working on the sidelines, doing a fucking thing. It's like sometimes guys show you who they are and then that tells you a little bit about probably how they're receiving locker room. Like, do we think a little bit at all? It's like, Oh, you know, he's not that good. And it's a lot. He's a lot. He's a little extra. Yeah. It's entirely possible. I think let's not forget Baker spent so much of his first two years battling Colin Cowherd on social media, which was wild to me at the time. And I'd always point out, you never see, the good quarterbacks doing that. They're not waste. None of the top 10 quarterbacks are wasting their time with this. They're busy studying film, working on technique. I, I just, I, I don't know if he's fully matured yet. I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. I don't think Baker Mayfield is. I don't think I would label him a bust yet. Now you could argue a first overall pick leaving a team for a fifth round conditional pick and he's going to battle Sam Darnold for the job. You know, I, I think it might be, but like, I, I, I'd say this for me, it might be too early for me to say Sam Darnold's a bust or Baker Mayfield's a bust, but the guy who loses that quarterback competition is a bust, but I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. Same draft class, by the way. Yeah. I'm not a Baker Mayfield hater. I'm not like Baker Mayfield is trash. I didn't get back. Well, it takes him as trash, but I'll say this. And again, you know, we've had our difference of opinion on this guy. The thing for me when I was like, I'm out on Baker Mayfield was the Odell thing. So I thought him going number one was a huge reach at the time. And I didn't well, like we it. all thought that. We all thought that. And then I started to change my tune a little after the season where they won a playoff game and they go 11 and five. And he had a pretty good year. Obviously last year it wasn't good. He missed a lot of throws, bad picks. He's also playing hurt. You know, I don't know. I think he screwed himself though. I, I think, I think by that, I mean, I know they went after Deshaun Watson but I actually think the scheme for the Browns fits him the best as far as rely on a good, really good defense and a really good run game and make your throws when you have to. I think that scheme fits him best. Now, I know he was put in an awful position when they do that, but he also probably knew, hey, this guy might not play this year. I mean, that, that goes. Back to things like I get that's the, the, the age of player empowerment in across sports and whatever, but being aware of like having having some sense of awareness of the Deshaun Watson situation, the simplest amount of awareness. What if you're just like, listen, football teams make a lot of decisions, you know, we'll see if the decision to spend a lot of money on another quarterback to compete with me works out right. You know, they drafted me one overall. They believed in me. They're obviously drafting 
another guy or they're obviously trading for another guy right now because they don't believe in me as much as they did before. But I'm just here to compete. I'm yeah. just here to play football. You don't even have to believe that. You just have to have the littlest amount of awareness in the Deshaun Watson situation. And you could you could probably easily put together. I'm still the Brown starter this year. Well, and also for your future team, right? Like it's basically a resume builder. If But, if this, he, let, but he's not that guy. No, he's not. So let's say he played his cards differently and didn't send out the breakup. Remember the breakup tweet or Instagram post? I don't remember yeah. what it was where he's basically breaking up with the Browns before they broke up with him. He's going to beat him to the punch. I'm breaking up with you. Let's say the Brown, let's say Deshaun Watson's out the first eight, nine games and the Browns start five and three in a very, very competitive division, right? If they start five and three and he plays halfway decent, suddenly he becomes somebody that teams want, right? And he increased his trade value and also his financial value for the rest of his career. But you're right. He completely played that wrong, in my opinion. He didn't think about that. Hey, maybe Deshaun's not playing all year. Hey, I can excel under an offense that's run first, a defense that's not going to put me in bad positions. Good, good luck in Carolina. I, I think it's just going to be a lot different. And we all know, especially with quarterbacks in the NFL, you are a product of your surroundings and of your situation. You're right. We talk about that all the time. How would this quarterback be on this team? How would he be on this team? We've seen that with Matthew Stafford. He's a probably like, you're, you know, the guy, number one, you would look at for that as far as, oh, what can he do with a good team? What can he do with a good coach? So I'm not out on Baker. I just, I don't see his career. I mean, I'm out on Baker, but I'm, but I'm not like, I'm not a Baker. I'm not like, you know, I'm selling my stock. Yeah. To me, it's, to me, it's way more offensive. You know, like, like, why didn't the saints try it? Why didn't the Saints give him a fifth round pick? To me, it's way more ex- offensive that there's a team out there that's like Jameis Winston is our starter. Yeah. And then a team out there being like, we'll bring in Baker Mayfield to compete. Sure. No, I agree. Well, it just adds to more allure of this NFL season. Again, that's another battle that's going to be fun to watch. Have you been watching? Who is it? Uh, somebody must have chipped in or something. I mean, it's just a, I mean, there's not even a, not even a crowd yet today because it's still a practice round. But they just went crazy on the fourth green. I saw you added a little Chet Holmgren discussion. On well, the I mean, I mean, he was trending the other day. He had six blocks. He had a summer league record, six blocks. I mean, he came out. He showed off. KD's tweeting at him because he was wearing KD's. Now there's a. Now there's rumors of swirling. Is it KD back to OKC to play with Chet Holmgren? Like, I mean, I, for me, here's the thing. I put you love on, Chet Holmgren. Well, I'll say two things, Andy. One, I love overhyping guys in summer league. It's like one of my favorite summer pastimes is like, let a, like, dude, I was like, Kevin Knox, f- future league MVP. I love one game overreactions. And this is what happens in summer league. They play every day. They're kids. They play every day. He's not used to playing every day in college. Like suddenly game two, he was like, fine, you know? Um, but I love summer league overreactions. But I, I, the thing is, is like when I first saw, you know, I'm not a big college basketball fan, but when I first saw Chet Holmgren, I was just like, 
this is a guy they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. But then as I watched him play in the tournament, I was like, I actually do see. I don't know if you remember that my pre-draft type. I was like, I actually do see how this guy fits in in the current NBA. Uh, like, a, you know, the, it, Perzingis was also tre- uh, trending the other day because everybody's saying Chet Holmgren is what Perzingis was supposed to be, which, first of all, you know, Perzingis was an all-star, had an MVP couple months with the Knicks before. Like, obviously, he's been injury prone. But, like, let's tap the brakes off. But, but I actually... I also said pre-draft, not not only did I end up becoming when I dug in and I do all my NBA pre-draft stuff and I start learning a lot more about college guys. Not only do I like Chet Holmgren, I especially liked the idea that he was going to go two to OKC. I'm in. And he's already putting up, you know. I love summer league overhypes. Well, it's one of my favorite NBA pastimes. Let's that's get why about a summer league game for me. It's like, let's see how he does. You know, I know I, I, I you know, I, I'm doing the eye test, which is probably not the best thing to do. Judging on how he looks facially, his skinny build. But I love that because he, you know, he's he goofy, fills out goofy looking dude. Six blocks. Dude. He's, just, he's rim protecting and hitting. Like, yeah, but he, he also was getting he also was getting a little, you know, he's getting pushed down on the block by. Kenny Lofton Jr. Did you see those highlights? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be a five guard. Like he's going to be, he's going to be a wing who can rim protect just by standing in the middle. You know, he's going to, he's, they, they were showing it on ESPN the other day. They were doing side by sides with him and Dirk. It's like, oh, I saw. I Let's saw. go with the overhead. Let's go. Dude, Chet that's Holmgren, the most over. That's what I'm talking summer about. League game. Just like, just like Kenny Lofton Jr., they're all calling him Zach Randolph. It's like, guys, People were doing these side by sides because a game looks similar to another player's game. I'm here for it, Andy. Summer Overhy- league, overhyped summer league. It's one of my favorite traditions. No, no. we didn't talk about. Zion. I'm officially on the record. Okay, twice now. So this is my third time. Hashtag pre-draft, team chat. I said pre-draft. I said post-draft when he went to the place I wanted him to. And now I say after the one overhyped summer league game, I am team Chet. Okay. Also, Chet is a great name. Team Chet. We didn't discuss Zion Williamson's five-year, $231 million contract last episode somehow. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, I actually thought my initial reaction to it was they were going to try to, that, that, that this was like a precursor to a, like a Durant deal. That they were like, we're going to sign in. Like the idea is we'll sign and trade him. Because it is like, if you're that injury prone, why are you signing a guy? I just don't get it. I don't get it either. So we just, I don't don't even get how you can command it. We just talked about Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. For all the bonehead moves the Browns do. I think they were smart to just not give him that deal and say, Hey, let this guy play out. This guy's been too wishy-washy. Like, and to me, that's what you do with Zion Williamson. Now, when he's on the court, he's played great, but He's been playing two years. I, I I just think I think when you're injury prone and when you're a big guy, it's, you, it's such a risk. But we're factor. we're now again we're talking about the player empowerment. Ever it's just it's probably his agent being like he's not gonna fucking play unless and then it's like are, that then are they in a situation where they're like a contact track dispute with the guy they tried to make the face of their franchise and yeah. whatever. Okay, cool. I I, I know. 
and then me, me as the owner say, dude, you got to prove it. Like, like you can, you can say you're worth all this. You're not worth a, you're not worth a cent. If you're not on the court, man, you're not worth anything. Your value is zero when you're not. Well, the, I don't the know court. if you saw, but the, uh, the, the, the playboy model daughter of the owner tweeted yesterday. Uh, can't wait to get Zion back. Uh, never has there been a more healthy big man in the history of the game. Uh, you know, he is the definition of, uh, he's the Cal Ripken of NBA players. I cannot wait for his return. At the, money, was- the money is well spent on a guy who, as far as I am concerned, has never even missed an NBA game. I was wondering where you're going there. At first I was like, wait, the, the Pelicans have a playboy model daughter. Oh, you're talking about Jeannie bus. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think mean, that's, that, 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 I, I was just bringing it up because that's the equivalent tweet. Can you imagine the daughter of the of fucking Tom Benson just tweets like Zion has never missed a game. And that's why we had to give him this money. And the whole world's going, but like, but he has missed game. He misses games all the time. Like, but, is this the a, whole is this a let's joke? See, let's, let's see. The whole world wouldn't do that. The whole world again under the Kobe. Day. Oh, yes, he was. He was the best ever. He was so unselfish. I would $230 million, man. That's a lot of money for a guy who is That's not playing. a lot of though. So we do have some calls today. Let's fucking do some calls. Let's do a few and calls. I'm going Three- to get myself yeah. a shower and a Miller light and get out on this golf course. 310-359-8365 is the hotline. Good news. Our friend Jew is back. No. He's back. Good for him. By the way, we you know we appreciate someone like this frequently calling into the show. We appreciate I do you listening. He was only gone for a few weeks. Is and, he Miller? And, is he Millerite now, or does he take his L? He doesn't really address it and just ask a question, which oh, I kind of okay. so, oh great. Moving I kind of respect that. Onwards like, and upwards, guys. Let's put our like, past behind us. I listen to the show. I like to call in. I love it. Great. Like this makes I, me happy. I, I respect it. He's not calling in to really. It makes he's me not, happy. Yeah, he's, Underta- not the- he's undertaker sitting up out of a coffin, <laughs> acting like it never occurred. Acting I like lo- he wasn't just fully buried under dirt. <laughs> hey, like I said, kudos to him. I'm, I'm all for hand, it. Like tails from the crypt, hand out of the ground, pulls himself <laughs> up. Night of the living Jew. <laughs> What's up, fellas? This is Jew. Uh, calling in, you know, I've been wanting to call in a few times since um, the last call, but I, you know, didn't feel like just being annihilated on a very famous, very, very famous podcast. So I've been keeping a lot of comments to myself. Um, so this one, though, I was reading an article yesterday with it being the 4th of July, you know, God bless America. Um, Asking if Joey Chestnut is the greatest athlete in America. Um, I think this is the number one reason why America is a fucking shit show right now. To think that a guy that eats hot, that eats hot dogs for a living is considered an athlete. Um, so let me know what you guys think. Is Joey Chestnut an athlete? And um, about Steph Curry, what an amazing guy. Later, guys. 
I like it. A little, little troll like action it. at the end. Welcome back, brother. It's great to hear your voice again. So the Joey Chestnut thing was great this week because he not only won the hot dog eating contest again, he took somebody out. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable video. Yeah. It's now, not like the guy. People keep acting like the guy was like attacking people, though. He was just holding a sign and then he got choked out from behind. So, I yeah. mean, it's like. Now, it's not my, like he thwarted a fucking bank robbery. Drew, my advice to you is don't get your sports opinions from BuzzFeed. Yeah. Or, or wherever you're seeing these terrible articles on athletes. It's you know, you know what that equivalent is to me. It's like the woman. It's like the women who tweet out. I, I love this. It's like the new thing. The women who are like. If there was equality in pay, Brittany Griner would not have to be in Russia if they paid the WNBA more. And then you right. look at that person's profile and you're like, you've never been to a WNBA game in your life. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? It's always yeah, the person who's like bitching and you're like, what do you do to support the WNBA? To me, it's like, this is the type of article where it's coming from. He's uh, he's not an athlete, but he can do something that I can't do. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, get worked up over it. Yeah. No, I mean, there's people who are fucking double jointed who put their fucking arms behind their head, but they're not athletes. Like, what the fuck? Can you imagine if today I spent my day and then somebody goes, what did you do yesterday? Sports mostly. And it was just, it turns out I was just eating hot dogs the whole day. Like, oh, what kind of sports are you playing? Oh, I, I fucking sat around and I ate a bunch of hot dogs. And they're like, oh, when did you get to the sports? Oh, no, that was the sports. I was just eating the hot dogs. The I, I mean, yeah. Well, how do you discover that ability? Who wrote that way? article? You think Jeannie Bus? Did Jeannie Bus write that article? She Jeannie Bus just the the internet's greatest troll. Okay, let's see. I said Buzzfeed. I just put in Joey Chestnut, greatest athlete oh, of all man. time. Yes, for the win, USA Today. Just. Just a terrible website. Joey Chestnut is now obviously one of the greatest athletes of our time. This was written by, I, I always love looking at these people. Andy Nesbitt is a for the win columnist who believes in two things. College athletes should get paid and the Super Bowl should be played on a Saturday. I, so... Literally worst take guy for the worst that USA today.com. This Super Bowl should be played on a Saturday. Wait a second. This isn't the guy. Did I go to high school with this guy? Unbelievable. Wait a second. Ohio for not the win again. Wait a second. Dude, I could have. When your sports hot takes are cultivated at Applebee's happy hour, we are Ohio State. <laughs> I I don't know. I could have sworn there was an Andy Ness bit in my high school. I could be wrong. This this well, guy lives in. I mean, there's he's probably not the only Andy Ness bit in the world. True. He lives in uh, Jacksonville. But you're right. Just terrible takes. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Not takes. an athlete. No. I mean, these stories are they're pretty cringe. Okay, you want to hear one of the worst calls of all time? I know we do this. 
Okay. There's no way you're going to understand this call. Okay. He, and he left two of them. The, dude, there's no, there's no way. I love doing this. Oh, speaking of calls, there's no way you're going to understand this. What's the number of that call that's calling in right now? What's that? What was the number of the call that was calling in right now? Um, or what's the area code? That just called right now? Yeah. 231. Okay. Why? Because somebody just called me and then they call and then somebody called the pod. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if this my friend is like desperate to get a hot take out or something like that. Okay. You ready for this call? Yeah. This call right here is from 318. Whoever you are, please message us. I just want I just want to say Andy's calling this one of the worst calls of all time. So Jew, you're already back and off the hook. So well, this welcome one you, back. Welcome this back, one, buddy. This one you can't decide. Now, now, this one's from northern Louisiana. At least that's the, the area code. I looked it up. So I don't I know what's got hose. 318. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Can you hear it at all? I, I heard Little Rock, Arkansas, I believe. I heard shot put, maybe. Wow. Shot put in high school. You're pretty good. I heard but I can for, barely I can barely hear it. Like, me too. I can barely hear it. Me too. They're both so quiet. They're both both calls are the volume is so low. I heard well, long time. I, I heard Little Rock, Arkansas. Call. I think I think possibly that the phone is in northern Louisiana, but he's actually <laughs> standing in Little Rock, Arkansas, and he's just yelling at a phone that's off the hook. I think you have something for it. <laughs> so, so 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 Little Rock, Arkansas, call us back from. Uh, well, hold on. Let's let's see. Working. Modern to oh, there's a second call, but yeah, <laughs> let's see if he tried it. If he did any better, I'm telling you, you can barely tell. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Randall from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm buying this in the first time caller. I'm just now claiming the claim is I beat Carl Nelson and shot put in high school and talked to Carl a few times. Yeah, it's really cool. Sharing at our high school track meet. Anyways, my dad took me to a Saints training camp one year. You know when we joke a lot that like people call from their mom's basement? I feel like he's at the bottom of the stairs and the mom just has the phone pressed up against the closed basement door. It sounds like he's talking through a wall. It sounds like when you put a glass (laughs) on a wall and try to hear your fucking the, the hotel room next to you. What, yeah, what I'm trying to understand is you're like you're like trying to listen to other people fuck, and all you hear is like I'm gonna, put, <laughs> I'm gonna put it in. You're like I put a shot put in high school. You're gonna get fucked like no one's ever gotten fucked in Little Rock, Arkansas. Excuse me. <laughs> what are you saying? What are you guys saying in there? Yeah, what? What? That's what I'm trying to understand. How the call was not only so muffled but so low, like the volume so low. How did he possibly do that? I think he's. I think he's. I think he's calling through a wall. I think he's using a glass on the other side of a wall. You gotta call back, man. Yeah, call back. We'd love. I want to hear. That's. I think that's our first call ever, and there's two of them. Where shot put has been mentioned. So give us a call. 
Yeah. No, I, I agree. We forgot something last episode. My apologies. We, we forgot to mention a team. We were talking about titles the last 10 years. So somebody called in to let us know. Hey, boys. Coach O here. This is the show talking about the last 10 years of NFL National Championships. NCAA means. I felt disrespected and felt like I needed to make the call. You forgot about the 2019 National Championship LSU Tigers with the perfect season, the number one pick, Joe Burrow, and the greatest head coach of all time, me, Coach Ed Orgeron. Whenever you bring up college football and your conferences and your paying players, you better put some goddamn respect on this Tiger dick. Wow. But like you know, he said, I mean, you're, is that he's absolutely right? We, yeah, we omitted that. That's 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 my that's my bad. We how, how do we forget that team? That team was stacked. Yeah, team put up a fifty spot on Clemson in the title game. Sorry, Coach O. I wonder what he's doing now, Coach O. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, do you want to just? I mean, you you have the number on Skype. Do you want to just call him back? Yeah, and ask? Coach O, you there? I'm here, Andy Ruther. What are you doing? Well, we just got your call. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that you deserve my call more than anybody's ever deserved a phone call. If I had to call through a wall in Little Rock, Arkansas, I would have made that call. I would have punched my head through the wall. So you could hear me clearly. How do you not? How do you not remember our goddamn LSU Tigers? Well, Coach, I, I'm actually looking on your Twitter right now, and uh, I'm seeing you have Keep a your face out my Twitter. Well, Coach, I gotta ask. That's for, as for friends and family only. <laughs> there's this tweet you have on June 5th, having a blast in California. You look very happy. You're you're with this very attractive blonde woman, Coach. And it says Fantasia. Who who's what's with, you're in front of the screen and I don't know if you want to pull it up. Well, Andrew, let me tell you a little something about what's going on in Cal, beautiful California right now. The uh the gas here is seven dollars. So all these beautiful women send less their car pumping gas, complaining the price prices, and I say, Let me help you with that. <laughs> Why don't I pay for a couple gallons? And you come over to my hotel room and suck this tiger dick. And you know, when uh, the great President Trump was in office, that did not work. But now with Joe fucking Biden ruining our gas prices, this tiger dick getting sucked daily just, just for paying my gas bills. I got an Exxon Mobil card. It's like a free hooker card. So this is a this is a young lady you met at a gas station. That's right. That's basically the only place I meet ladies these days. Well, good for you, Coach. Because I mean, it does kind of add up. I saw you you sent out the tweet at twelve oh six a.m. as well. So, but but it looks like you are at like a some sort of premiere or some event. Did you did you take her? You guys are both dressed up. Well, she was already dressed up when she was out. She was on her way somewhere, and luckily. I drive a Cadillac Escalade, 
And I just keep all kinds of different little outfits there. You know, I got a gardening outfit in the back. I got swim trunks in case I go into the ocean. You know, maybe I find myself in a boxing match. I got some gloves in there. Occasionally I go, you know, I play golf. I got golf clubs. I have a formal wear section. So, yeah, I'm ready to go. Because this thing, when you meet a woman at a gas station, she on her way somewhere. And you can't really plan to be on your way to the same place unless you prepare for every opportunity. Yeah, that's smart, coach. I like yeah. it. So I, I got a whole, I, 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 now that I don't talk to my wife and children no more, I got my fold-down seats down. I got a whole wardrobe in there. So wherever a lady at a gas station want to go, I'm ready to go. The other day she goes, oh, I got, I'm going to take my kids to the circus. I got a clown outfit back here. Why don't you just take them to my house? I'll do a little clown show. We don't even have to spend time at the circus. God, Coach, you're killing me. Uh, Well, Coach, we appreciate your time. We got to wrap this up. Uh, My my co-host, Joe Prano, has a a golf event he's got to get to. So, Coach Ed Orgeron, former LSU head coach, national champ, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And Andy Ruther, if you ever forget about me, Listen, I am not a I am not a LSU Tiger anymore, but I would like to appreciate the respect. Uh, keep keep remembering that. But for now, I would just ask if you forever forget about me, that you suck this unincorporated to a specific college program dick. <laughs> Coach L out. Wow, that was a very pleasant surprise today for on today's show. Yeah, it's great to hear from Coach L. Yeah, always. Always great to hear from him. And I'm out of here and I'm out of water. So now I'm coughing. Yeah. Oh, Coach O's over there talking. I got no water left. So now I'm just coughing while Coach O talks. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll wrap it up. Miller Light. Yeah. Go get yourself some Miller Light. 310-359-8365 is our hotline. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. You can follow me at Andy Ruther. You can follow Joe on all his various social media. That's right. Follow me at Joe Prano on everything except for Twitter. Where I'm at Fix Your Life. Uh, again, shout out to all the dirt balls for all the messages and Venmos and, you know, DMs and whatever from birthday. Appreciate it. Getting old, um, but love, love having you guys. And I, I will be drinking a few Miller Lights the second I get off here and all of your honors for all those people who said, here's for some Miller Light. That's precisely what I'm going to go do. So thanks for a great birthday weekend, guys. Yeah. Well, and I got some shows coming up. Uh, Hollywood Improv, two shows this weekend on Sunday when I get back, Sunday night. Uh, so go on, go on my social media, check that out. And I'm going to be hitting the road again uh, August 29th to September 4th. I'm going to Vegas, baby. So come see me at the Comedy Cellar in Vegas. And uh, other other dates will all be posted at JoePano.com. All right. Sounds like fun. Everybody have a great, fun, and safe weekend. We'll be back on Monday. And don't forget, stay dirty.